How many of us have had these moments of Shadowlands? These moments where we wait by the phone, moments where we get bad news, where we get angry, we get emotional, we're not quite sure what to do. Two weeks ago, I talked about the book of Job as we entered this series on the Shadowlands. I said that I think the question of why, which is the question we always want to ask in these moments, is kind of a fruitless question. Because God doesn't promise us a why, and a lot of times we don't know why. What we need to do is trust God, but that is not always easy, right? Especially when God doesn't do what we expect Him to, especially when we want Him to. And this is the challenge of Jesus in the Gospels, right? Jesus does not do the things that everybody wants Him to. Okay, the Pharisees, the scribes, the priests, they all want Jesus to act a certain way, and Jesus just simply won't do it. He lets down their expectations. In fact, sometimes he even lets down the expectations of his friends. Jesus loved to go to this little town of Bethany outside of Jerusalem. There he would spend a lot of time with Martha and Mary and their brother Lazarus. I think maybe he liked Martha's cooking, just kind of wondering, because he always seems to be there, always seems to be going through. Martha is the type A worker. We all know a Martha in our lives, right? And uh, Mary was the kind of carefree, go-with-the-flow person. You, you, we all know the Marys in our lives. How many of you, one of your siblings is a Martha and one of your siblings is a Mary? And uh, yeah, there's pointing going on down here, right? We can identify with this family. We, What's interesting is we don't know a lot about Lazarus. Uh, in fact, it's odd. Normally, when you would name people, you would name the man first, and then you would name the women. Okay? But Lazarus is always named after Mary and Martha. And, and Mary and Martha both speak quite a bit in the Gospels, but Lazarus doesn't say anything. Lazarus is giving no words. And so we kind of wonder, what's the deal with Lazarus? And some have proposed that maybe Lazarus um, has special needs. Perhaps Lazarus has Down syndrome or something like that. He doesn't speak a lot, and he's sort of with his sisters all the time. We, we don't know. We can only suppose. But what we do know is that, Je that Jesus really loved this family. So I'm going to be reading the scripture as we go through the sermon in John chapter 11. You can follow along uh, in your Bible if you want. But John 11, let's look at this moment where Jesus has with this family. Now a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. It was Mary who anointed the Lord with, anointment and, uh, with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was ill. So the sister sent to him, saying, Lord, he whom you love is ill. But when Jesus heard it, he said, This illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. So Lazarus is sick with what we're not told, uh, but they send this very personal message to Jesus. Lord, he whom you love is ill. This, this accounts for some kind of very personal relationship. Jesus hears it and says, this illness does not lead to death. Um, of, course, of course it does, actually, but not ultimately, and we'll see that as the story goes on. Verse 5, now Jesus loved Martha and her sisters and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. 
Time out. Does that verse bother anybody else? Does it sound, it's either bad writing or bad emotions on the fact of Jesus, right? Jesus really loved them, so when he heard Lazarus was sick, he waited two more days. Okay? What is going on here that he waits? That there's this contrast. He loves them, and yet he doesn't go immediately. He does go, though. After two days, he tells his disciples that they should go to Judea. And the problem is that last time they were in that area, Jesus was, uh, they tried to stone him and his disciples. Okay? The disciples are not real interested in going back there. Verse 11. After saying these things, he said to them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I go to awaken him. The disciples said to him, Lord, if he has fallen asleep, he will recover. Now Jesus had spoken of his death, but they thought he meant taking rest and sleep. Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus has died. And for your sake, I am glad I was not there so that you may believe, but let us go to him. So Thomas called the twins, said to his fellow disciples, let us also go that we may die with him. So Jesus says he's dead. He hasn't even received word yet that Lazarus has died. He knows he's dead. Uh, he's thankful that he wasn't there so he could show the disciples. And then Thomas, the twin, says what all the disciples are thinking. Fine, let's go get stoned with Jesus. Fine, let's go. Verse 18. Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off, and many of the Jews had come to Mar Mar Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him. But Mary remained seated in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he dies, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, Lord, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. Notice that Martha, she's always the type A. She goes to tell Jesus what she, what she thinks. You know what I mean? She goes to, to give Jesus a piece of her mind. Jesus said that he will rise, that Lazarus will rise again, and asked Mary if she believes it, and notice, or Martha if she believes it. And notice what Martha answers. Lord, I believe that you are Christ, the Son of God. I believe the Christ stuff, but, but I just watched my brother die. Okay, I'm, I don't believe. I can't even imagine. But she says, Lord, if you had been there, my brother would not have died. Here's my question to you. Is that a question of doubt or a question of faith? Is that a question of doubt or a question of faith? We've been taught you're not supposed... How many of you were taught you're not supposed to question God, Right? You're not supposed to question God. But I think actually, this is a question of faith. Okay, when we don't question God, what we're saying to God is, oops, you may have missed that one, God. I hate to upset you about it. We like, when we don't question God, we treat God as if he's so little and so uh, in, not powerful enough to handle our questions. When Martha goes to Jesus, she says, Jesus, you could have done something and you weren't here. That's actually a question of faith. 
That's actually a question that says, I have the faith, believes you knew this was happening, and you could have done something about it, and you didn't. This is really an important question. The Psalms are full of Psalms of lament. There's an entire book of the Bible called Lamentations, where we are we're given examples and we're given prayers of lament, of complaints against God. Martha doesn't get in trouble for her question. Why? Because she's, she is actually treating Jesus as if he's big enough to handle it. I think God is big enough to handle your questions. Okay, when you go through pain, when you go through suffering, when you go through loss, I don't think you have to hide from God. I don't think God is up there just hoping you don't ask those questions. I think God is big enough to handle. And in fact, I think the Bible actually models for us that we should be asking God the difficult questions. Not just that we can bear our hearts before God, but that we're supposed to bear our hearts before God. Now, this may sound contradictory to what I said a couple weeks ago. I said the question of why is a fruitless question. I don't believe that God gives us the answer to the why question. But let me say this. I think it's okay to ask it. As long as you don't expect that God's going to answer it the way you want him to answer it. There's something that happens when we can be truly honest with God and bear our hearts before God. When our hearts are exposed, it's like God has room to get to work. And note Martha's biggest complaint. She's happy that Jesus showed up. What she's mad about is the timing. Right? Okay, I love when God answers prayer. I just wish he did it when I wanted him to. Anybody else feel this way? Okay? But I've said this before. I say this again. This is one of my mantras. If, you, if you, you're not really trusting God if you don't trust God with the timing. You're not really trusting God if you don't trust God with the timing. Have you ever felt like God was late? That God should have shown up earlier and didn't and you could have avoided all the pain? I think we all have felt that. Martha feels that. Now Mary, you're going to see, feels that. And Jesus doesn't answer why necessarily. But watch what Jesus does do. Verse 28. When she had said this, she went and called her sister Mary, saying in private, The teacher is here and is calling for you. And when she heard it, she rose quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet come to the village, but he was still in the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who were with her in the, in the house counseling her saw Mary rise quickly and go out, they followed her, supposing she was going to the tomb to weep there. Now when Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. She has the same complaint, the same feeling of anger that we all get towards God in these moments. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. And he said, where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. And Jesus wept. So the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, could not he have opened the eyes of the blind? Also have kept this man from dying. Mary comes running, falls at his feet, the more emotional of the two of the sisters. And she weeps. and She says, Jesus, if only you'd been here. Then we get some beautiful description of the humanity of Jesus. Let me read it again. When Jesus saw her weeping 
And the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. And he said, where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. And then the famous verse, the short verse, Jesus wept. I don't know why Jesus doesn't answer our questions. I don't know why Jesus doesn't show up when we want him to show up. I will tell you, having been with a number of people who have gone through grief, he's consistently like this. But I take great comfort in the fact that we don't serve a God that is way off of suffering, but a God who weeps with us, a God who knows what it's like to cry. And to weep isn't just to cry. It's to wail and to moan and to not be able to express. Jesus knows what it's like to go through things that you and I go through. Personally, he weeps with us. And I don't know why he didn't save the man from dying, but listen to the rest of the story. Then Jesus, deeply moved again, came to the tomb. It was a cave and a stone laid against it. And Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, again, the detail person, says, Lord, by this time there will be an odor, for he has been dead four days. That's not an accident, by the way. The Jews believe that your spirit hovered above your body for three days before it went to the afterlife. So you could be resuscitated, potentially, in those three days. But after three, on the fourth day, you you can no longer be resuscitated. The spirit had gone. He is fully dead. Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believe, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this on account of the people standing around that they may believe you sent me. When he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The man who had died came out, his hands and feet unbound, uh, bound with linen strips and his face wrapped with cloth. Jesus said to him, them, unbind him and let him go. So Jesus comes, later than Mary and Martha wanted him to, later than Martha had planned, but he comes and he weeps and he knows what they're going through and he brings life even in the death. And notice that he doesn't do it alone. He has them remove the stone. He has them remove the burial cloths. I think this is a great picture of who we should be as Christians in other people's sufferings. I can't fix everybody's problems. But if there are stones in the way of people coming to life, I may be able to help with those. And if they have grave cloths from when they were dead, now I may be able to help them start to unbound themselves from those things. Jesus brings the life. We just help in the stuck moments. I don't know why things happen the way they do, but here's what I know from this story. I know you can cry out to Jesus. I know he is big enough to handle those problems I know that you're never going to ask a question that's going to stump him. And I know when you go through pain and when you go through suffering that Jesus is not the kind of God that just sits off and laughs or ignores you. Maybe it feels like he ignores us. But he's right there with us, weeping and feeling it along with us. As your pastor, I want you to know, in many funerals, at many hospital beds, I have kept this hope trying to fling this hope onto people, and I really believe it. 
that God is with us in our suffering, in our pain. And so I give you permission to curse at God. I give you permission to say whatever you want to to God in your suffering. Because I think God's big enough to handle it. And in fact, in those moments when you can crack open your heart, I think God has this amazing opportunity to show his love and grace to you. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for your love and for your grace, even when we can't always feel it. That when we weep, you weep. That you know what it's like to lose a friend, to lose a father, to be betrayed, to feel the anxiety of a potential death. Lord, help us to trust you, to trust you with the timing, to hand our lives over to you. In Jesus' name, amen.